arrived. They have arrived. Your samples Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. There's been a lot of Ohio State teams to buy in on that haven't had a spectacular regular season. This is not one of them, I don't think. No. You're putting no. what's what's we the kid's name? Freshman. Yeah, what's that freshman name? The big kid? Bryce Sensabaugh. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had uh Penn State money line against them when they were playing and that game just came down to the wire. I'm like Sensible had a good game. Yeah, I, I don't know. Ohio State's competitive. They just lose every game. That's the thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they lost like 14 in a row at one point. <laughs> yeah, including that Penn State game. That was the 14th, and I think they won their next one. They probably beat up on like Minnesota or something. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's such a mark of just a middling Big Ten team, though. Just die in demoralizing fashion twice a week. That's kind of yep. what Notre Dame was on this year. Yep. That's what – and – it's it's like if it happens like three times, it's gonna happen like nine. It's just it, it just never never flips At the other way. Notre Dame this year. Yeah, exactly. That's oh, why they lost. some some of those ran some of these random teams with like fifth like Texas Tech. I feel like has lost so many close games. What just happened to the uh, didn't the Texas Tech coach just get in trouble for something or someone on the Yeah, team? he was he was throwing out like racist Bible verses or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, oh boy, no. Yeah, I don't – it was some, some – I don't know what it was. Just but. Old Testament preachings at halftime of every game that are yeah, like just, belittling 90% of the team. Yeah, just just like some – got to keep them interested somehow out there in Lubbock. There ain't much else to do. Yeah, some hate speech from the book of Job. <laughs> that's, that, that's his go-to uh, – Just smiting speech. smiting <laughs> his players in a 30-second yeah. timeout. Well, uh, Hammer – Bit of the maybe the white whale of the splitting gaps podcast that we get on today. How are we doing? How's ATX treating you, dude? Pretty good, man. It's good to be on. I uh I think a lot of times I committed to this uh many a nights in college and never actually made never actually made it. So I'm happy to be on. Appreciate you guys having me. It was a it was always a March. tough draw. I'm pumped. Yeah, it was it was a tough draw when we when we had like a 20 minute drive to the studio. After everyone tied on a ridiculous night the night yeah. before every time. And I feel um, like it was always a Saturday morning you guys were going. No, we would go Friday morning. So yeah. it's just everybody okay. just closing down Tim's Same on Thursday. Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by that point, it was two days. You know, you tied one on Wednesday for senior night and then you tied one on Thursday. And then you needed a little bit of recoup time for the Friday, Saturday push. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm ready to talk some shop. I'm re- this is the best month of the year. I feel alive when March comes. Yeah, there's something in the air. I mean, all day, every day, dude. The f- the fact that I woke up this morning and Richmond was playing fucking who George Mason or whoever the fuck they played. It was electric at 10:30 in the morning. Yeah, Does, there's something. Imagine, that... imagine being in California. It's fucking 8:30. You're wake, waking up to Richmond playing the yeah. Spiders. <laughs> I mean, the offices around the country aren't getting much done this month. Yeah. Well, that's For the sure. thing is there's like, there's this weird and it is like a feeling you get where people that haven't been tuned in mm-hmm. for much of the college basketball season become interested in Richmond versus George Mason <laughs> just because it takes you a little bit out of like the mundane weekday, you know? Oh, absolutely. Just, oh, what we got a barn burner going on at lunch between Syracuse and Wake Forest? There's yeah. nothing else I'd rather be doing right now, even as yeah. a middling college basketball fan. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm up on my office today doing work, and some of the leadership around me are like rolling TVs around the floor, trying to trying to get the game hooked up just to, to watch the 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 vehicular manslaughter go down <laughs> the first round of the ACC tournament. Yeah, yeah he's done now. <laughs> Bumass. Fucking me and Charlie were talking about it. Syracuse. That's that's our only loser of the day so far. Yeah. But yeah. 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 We He's, wanted they've had a, they've had a tough stay track, off the but... roads. Stay off the roads tonight in Greensboro. <laughs> Bayheim's Bay retirement tour might be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Almost that was maybe the only just complete that might be the only disaster bigger in Bayheim's life than that fucking play he drew up to finish that that game today. Um mm-hmm. me and Marty were talking about it a bit earlier but 
you have an elite shooter who is not elite at creating his own shot Mm -hmm. go isolation on the last possession of your last possession of the game most likely in virtually the one position that he is not going to get a good look and i it's 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 really strange to see a Bayheim team that is always system. You know, their defense is a system. They're the only team that does it, and their offense is a system. And they've happened to have guys like Buddy and Gerard who can shoot the lights out, so that's been their system. Gerard's still there. And then you you put him in a position where he's isolated on the right-hand sideline trying to go play hero ball when you have plenty of time. Plenty of time. And Marty said earlier, there was like four seconds left on the shot clock when he hoisted that. And then what's what else does that do? Bad shot, long rebound. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest gets out and, and runs and hits a insane shot to send them past them. Like, I don't know. I, I hate Bayheim, so I'm happy. But <laughs> I always like riding Syracuse in the tournaments just because they usually they've been overperforming in years past with teams that didn't seed well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're perennially just underperforming the ACC tournament. If they put together a good enough regular season, they seem to always make a little run in March. But kind of to that point, uh, we talk about the hero ball so much and how much we hate that shit at the end of games, uh, not drawing up a play, not trying to get to the bucket. Uh, when, you know, if you need a three, sure. But so many times we see it where they're settling for – uh, some some crazy shot from multiple feet outside the three-point line. And you know in a case like this, when you're tied up and, and they pull that, that Wake Forest is going to come down and do something. It takes just, a long carom, too, when you take that shot. Exactly. Bounce, yeah. bounce right right to an outlet and you're, you're off to the races, you know? I, I, I'm like, but. I'm a proponent of playing, you know, quote-unquote hero ball if you're if you have it if the guy playing the hero has been a hero all game mm-hmm. you know what i mean like buddy Bayheim had games where yeah that might be your last shot even if it's not a high quality shot because he's he's five of six from deep in the second half like gerard was two of eight was missed badly a couple times in the first half was not on whatsoever like that's that's a shot that's reserved for an incredibly hot star player mm-hmm. and then you yeah, just throw it out there and end your season and yeah now now there's uh you know county-wide fucking <laughs> traffic stops for Bayheim looking out for yep. i don't know what he drives probably uh probably a cadillac B- suv bmw probably a beamer i don't know but yeah that's uh so that's that's the last we'll see of that guy so syracuse kind of in the mud um I don't know. I'm I'm excited for these these tournaments coming up, dude. Every every day, it's great, great, yeah, great I've... to wake up and you know you got basketball. That, you were talking about getting out of the mundane uh, work work life and work day. It's just, I mean, when you just place like four bats throughout the day and just mm-hmm. get, get to just follow these games while you're getting the work done, it's it's pretty nice. That's for sure. Yeah, I was gonna inquire. How are you guys? Are you guys uh, still tossing some money around on on the books on the uh... You guys gambling a little bit here come March? Sure. Yeah, it's been – I mean, it's been year-round, but yeah. it's, it's uh, definitely definitely ramping it up now. I mean, I was just telling uh, Chuck, I j- just hit a little Texas A&M Corpus Christi parlay with a Wazoo teaser. So, <laughs> you know, you, you know it's you know it's getting down into the, the – uh, The nitty-gritty. The, yeah, the, yeah well, the depths, the nitty-gritty. A little less, less known schools than when you're betting on Texas A&M Corpus Christi. You know it's, you know it's March. You got to find the value. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I thought was funny, um, last night Gonzaga kind of rolled St. Mary's. Um, mm-hmm. And something about that game was maybe St. Mary's at this point since gambling has been legalized through just about half the country, um, St. Mary's might be America's team because every night out, people are talking about 
taking St. Mary's. I like St. Mary's. I've heard that every Friday or Saturday night of the season. They're the, the last team on. They're the last team on. So whether you've missed your four bets that day or hit them, you need that last little bit of action. Mm-hmm. And they're always the last thing on the slate. So like, everyone is taking, and St. Mary's happened to be very good this year. So it's every time I I like St. Mary's. I, this is a good this is a good spot for St. Mary's. We'll see them in the tournament, but um, he's got the door crazy. They took the one against... seed from Gonzaga, though. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like, haven't it's seen like that in betting a while. against whoever. It's like betting against Hawaii, betting on whoever they're playing at, at the nightcap of during college football season. That's oh uh, yeah, all those that, that's the, in the West Coast Conference. The, the West Coast usually sucks at everything besides Gonzaga and basketball, but like that 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 is what they give America, especially the central yeah. timers and the east timers is is the late game when you're out out yeah. drinking. <laughs> but because then they the always seem watch. to have that's, that's all they're good for. It's all they're good for. <laughs> yeah. They always seem to have Gonzaga and then they'll have one team that puts together a really good season whether it's like St. Mary's, San, San Francisco, Francisco ties one on. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so they always seem to have a pretty solid team but I tell you what, I haven't watched much St. Mary's. I watched them both of their last games against Gonzaga. And man, uh, they they did not look good at all in either of those games. They played at a slow nope. pace. Uh, they seemed to just dick around on the perimeter for 25 seconds a shot clock, and I mean they got they got manhandled both times. Yeah, if you just slow. take that last game as going into the tournament, your last kind of breath on St. Mary's, what you saw was a pretty a pretty non-fluid offense with just some random, decently athletic white kids that can get a bucket every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, yeah, they have they have kids that'll surprise you and go get a bucket, but then you're coming up against maybe as decorated a tournament team as there is in the country, and Drew, Drew Timmy is 40 and still knows how to just go put his – Tim Duncan package together on any big in the country, like you're going to lose that game every time if that's the way you're playing. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely, it definitely did not ease the mind of these St. Matt, St. Mary's future betters across the country watching <laughs> that game last night. Mark Few, another guy you got to watch on the roads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Too many college, but yeah, college basketball coaches cannot drive. That's for sure. But um, yeah, have you uh, Chalk or Ham? I don't know. Have you been uh, hitting the books at all? That is it even legal in Texas? Nope. Y'all oh. know, you guys know what prize picks are though. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I've yeah, been, We're, been you're, you're taking like prize picks. Yeah, you just, you just it's just player prop parlays. Yeah, you gotcha. Two, three, four, five leggers. Uh, I haven't been good by no means, <laughs> yeah. but it's pretty electric and you can do it on it. Shit. You can do it on college basketball players. You can do it on golf rounds. You can do it on pretty much anything. So it's been nice. pretty fun. How does that work? Nice. Like, I, I know I see it. I see prize picks on maybe 80% of the Twitter threads. I look on, there's always <laughs> a fucking prize picks ad. Yeah. But I'm not, how is it like, it's real wager, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. It, the, it must not be, it's not like a legal book though. That's yeah. the thing. So I'm not sure just, the legalization behind it, but essentially it's like a player stock market. Like you can, I mean, for example, if you're going in and betting, you can bet college basketball props. So you can go pick a player during pretty much any game. You can bet, you know, points, rebounds, assists, uh, among other stats and say you, I want to do a three-legger. You can decide if you want to pick two of three correct. Uh, It'll give you a payout of maybe like one and a half. Uh, Or you could go three of three correct, and it'll give you a payout of maybe three or four X what you bet. So you can kind of choose like, you know, you don't have to get every pick right. You get two of three, or you could get three of four, or you could go for like all three or all four, but you can't. You can't. You have it's to like, select one of the two options. It's like betting horses. Yeah, federally, yeah, like, federally legal round robins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just over unders on all the any player prop you can think of. Um, yeah. So, you know. But 
Yeah. So last week, me and me and Chuck were talking about some of the conference tournaments, and so I ended up settling on the two picks that I made for bigger ones. I I got Arizona at like plus two ten to win the Pac twelve. I was looking at that side of the bracket. Okay. They they avoid UCLA who's the two and USC. Yeah. So I mean the rest of the pack it's like they're gonna have to beat like Arizona State, who I know hit that fucking prayer against them. But so that that's who I I settled on out of the Pac twelve and then the Big Twelve. I know I was talking about Texas last week, but I actually zigzagged and I took TCU beating Kansas State, Texas, and then getting to the final. So that, those okay. are my yep. I'm 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 riding with the frogs. It's the, it's the fucking dream year for the frogs this year in athletics. Yes, sir. So yeah, I I I do. That up. is definitely an overlooked um, part where I think the value lies a lot in these tournaments is overlooking where the seed is actually located in the bracket. You know, like we were talking yeah, about absolutely. earlier, some of those middling Big Ten ACC teams is the difference between a seven and an eight is massive depending on where you are in the bracket. Because if you have to go play Kansas in round two, see ya, you know, that's, yeah. you're not Instead winning of that playing game. Texas. Exactly. Instead of playing a Texas or even, even a Marquette, you know, at the two spot. Yeah. Well, how about the, you're yeah, probably that... bigger than, and not taking anything away from Marquette, but if you're a, TCU, that's a way better draw for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's um, and that that obviously factors into the ter- NCAA tournament draw too, and so that's why like we touched on it, like taking futures. Do you take it before the brackets drawn or after? But I feel like lines adjust um after it's released because if you're getting mm-hmm. those favorable matchups for like a four or five seed, that it's uh, the the price will adjust accordingly. That's it's a it's a massive factor. It's not just being the best team. It's it's getting lucky. Do a, a lot of this a lot of this for these teams is just getting lucky. With the yeah, you just got to diagnose well it first. Futures kind of before the bracket was released for these conference tournaments because a lot of no, the time, I, a lot of times the seeding will come down to the last weekend, the last set of games, um, and then you know you can try to you can try to guess before the last set of games if the teams will be locked in or if there will be some shifts, but. I'm sure there's some pretty good line movements after, you know, conference brackets are released. Oh, for sure. And I was, I was talking uh, more so about like the actual NCAA tournament too. Yeah. Like with, um, because obviously you could take somebody to win it from the second it ends. You know what I mean? They release odds for the next year, but just depends on, I don't know. It's like I said, you gotta, you gotta get a good draw, even especially if there's no dominant team, which is this year. So mm-hmm. there's probably, that's probably, somewhat a reason why the regions don't actually stack up regionally. Like there's no, it's, there's it's, no it's, real it's the Vegas call. <laughs> yeah. But you, I mean, when you, when you think about it, if, if you knew that this team is the East, this team's the central, you know, if you knew that you were taking your 16 seeds for each region of the bracket, mm-hmm. actually geographically, then you'd be able to diagnose a ton of the bracket before selection Sunday. So then when you're talking about the value on teams fluctuating so much based on where they stick them in the bracket, you're giving yourself the better gets way more way that much more value. You know what I mean? Like we could say, we could say that it's way bigger for a team to get this seven rather than an eight, but depending on the region you don't know the region maybe that two seed is the best you know maybe you have the best two seed happens to be in the east where they're also playing you know what i mean but you're you're you just can't know what seed is going to be in that region yeah, because yeah. it's just kind of a I, it doesn't make sense that they even keep calling it like why call it regionally it's it's when, like um they're they're gonna put like St. Mary's in the Midwest, <laughs> you know, like yeah, playing playing like a Northern Iowa or some bullshit. It's just but, it's just such a tough thing to game plan for, and you really can't game plan for it, and unless you really know like the top overall seed, like I'm sure we'll, we know where you know 
I'm, you know, as of now, I'm sure Houston might be the number one overall seed, but you, you know, you like some teams going into the tournament and maybe you don't like some teams going into the tournament. And when you're filling out brackets and, and putting down future bets, it's so contingent upon when those regions come out. And cause I mean, right away, you, everyone identifies there's a region that's strong, far stronger than the rest. Yeah. And there's a region that's far weaker than the rest. And kind of once you see that, um, you know, your mindset might change on a lot of teams depending on where they For fall. sure. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point because, like, there's obviously the teams that I have that I've, like, not necessarily fallen in love with, but, like, been on their side. I've taken a gamble or bet them a lot, like, throughout the season. But, like, mm-hmm. if it comes down to a certain matchup in, like, the Elite Eight or something, you're like, shit, like, yeah. I can't take them here, you know? Like, yep. I don't know. And the the example we were talking about, um last week was when wichita state was the number one overall seed in the country undefeated and kentucky who was as talented as any team in the country lost a couple few too many games in the sec and ended up snagging an eight seed Mm -hmm. and then they got to play kentucky in the second round who quite honestly could have been if they if they hadn't choked in so many conference games could have easily been a two or a three seed. And then the number one overall team has to play by far the best eight seed in the country. Eight or beyond, that is. You know what I mean? They're yeah. supposed to could get have been the, like a six or something. They're yeah. supposed to get the friendliest second hand, second round yeah. draw. And they end up having to go against the Harrison twins and fucking uh who's the who's the fucking big man? Tad James up Young, in. Julius Randall. No, uh, Cauley Stein. Yeah, Willie Cauley Stein. They got to play against that seven three monster. Marcus like, Lee. <laughs> yeah, the um, legend Marcus Lee. But yeah, no, those Kentucky teams were so loaded. I'm not sure if that was maybe a year before, a year after, whenever they're undefeated or not undefeated, but their national championship team with AD was, uh, you know, maybe a year or two after that. Um, but those guys consistently were like nine or 10 deep. They, they were just trot out two squads. And I, I don't think anyone that year took Wichita state when that bracket came out to win that second yeah. round. Reminds me too, no. a little bit last year of Baylor UNC, you know, Baylor gets yeah, the exactly. one seed and you see a, a streaking, a hot UNC team at the end of the year, come in off a big win over Duke to end coach K's, you know, regular season career, uh, you know, and they grab an eight seed and, you know, while it's not on the same level as uh, Wichita State, Kentucky, or maybe some other examples from the past, like UNC was a damn talented team and they were hot at the right time. And, you know, they run into, you know, a one seed Baylor, unfortunately runs into them and shit, UNC makes it to the finals, you know. Almost always. that That's a good, that's something to think about because I don't know what the stats are, but the last X amount of tournaments, I feel like there's always been an eight C eight or a nine beat a one. I don't know how many in a row it's been, but I just by like, that's when one seeds thinking, go down. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, like there's been at least one. So <laughs> in each bracket, you know, the committee under somebody. Whereas like when, when uh, Loyola beat Illinois uh, mm-hmm. two years ago or whatever, when they were the eight seed, it's like Illinois was like 27 and like three out in the Missouri yeah. Valley. And they, they gave him an eight seed. It's like th- this yeah, they had to play like their big six. brother. You yeah. know what I mean? It, the, the team should have been at six. So I feel like every time the committee does this, they're just underseeding one of these eight or a nine. So that, that's something to think about when you're when you're filling out your bracket if you're looking for one of them. If if you see see a team that you like, I don't know, but pull the yeah. trigger. Some someone usually loses. <laughs> and the other the other part of that where yeah, say on say like two and a half one seeds, you average like two and a half one seeds in every elite eight, right? There's always two that kind of walk their way to the elite eight. And then one, sometimes you have two, sometimes you have two, sometimes you have three. That one, it does seem predominantly goes down to a just buzzsaw eight seed team that you realize probably you realize that they just kind of dog walked through the mm-hmm. uh, through the regular season, and that's why they're an eight seed, even though yep. like you can't adjust for every team 
not performing to scale when you're building a bracket, you know, it'd be impossible. But the other thing that, that happens every year, there's a play in team that takes someone down in the second round. Like Mm -hmm. last year was Michigan and it was almost Michigan and Notre Dame. Notre Dame was in a position to take down. It was Texas tech, a four seed three. Um, yeah, yeah, we were were up three shooting free throws with two minutes left, and we completely, like we're talking about, imploding in late-game situations, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. uh, just kept giving the ball to our freshmen who could not hold on to it and had the yips and end up choking. And uh, Michigan did not, and they made it, even though they had no business being in that tournament. Um, took down the choke artist Tennessee Rick Barnes. Yep, oh, but yeah, yeah, and they the get last, but there's the that last, team like eight, that eight, gets the best draw from their yeah. play-in. You know what yeah. I mean? Plus, you got one more tournament game under your belt, a little more experience. You, you're playing in one more big game, and then you come in uh, against the Michigan team that did not deserve to be in, even though they were as talented a recruiting two years. I mean, Juwan Howard should be fired what he's done in two years with two of the top classes in the country, losing 14, 15 games in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's terrible what he's doing with that much talent. Regardless, <laughs> they go and they make the sweet 16. Maybe did they make the elite eight last year. No, I don't think so. But there's always that. No, there's always that team that kind of gets the courtesy no, Michigan didn't even play in last year, but they were in a no, play-in spot. No, it was it was India, Indiana, Wyoming. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, and then no, and then Notre Dame. Um, yeah, Rutgers. the Indiana Wyoming game. They the final score was like forty-five to like thirty or some bullshit. Like that was the worst game of all time. But yeah, that's besides the point. Yeah, I had but I yeah, had that wrong. That, but still, Notre Dame. The sentiment kind of remains the same: is a team that has an extra game to get hot, and they prove that they can play, and they know it's win or go home. And then you got to play a. Happened to Bama in the first round, a Notre Dame team that gets an extra game to get their groove. And then Cormac Ryan comes out and shoves it down Alabama's throat. And you're kind of like, what the fuck was that? Like, yeah. Yeah. The last X amount of tournaments, I don't know what the number is, yeah, but I know it's been a few. The playing game always, the playing team always wins one. Yeah. It's like eight or nine straight years where yep. they advanced to the round of 32. I mean, so you, you know, it, like I'm looking at last year's, I mean, Rutgers, UCLA no, two years ago. Yeah. UCLA. Yeah, the they four. played in and went to the final four. <laughs> Absurd. So if you, I think, I think it's important. Like if we're piecing together, Our I think you, you, you keep, you keep around, you keep the trends in mind when you go in, but shit kind of hits the fan when you start cooking on your bracket. But if you're keeping all these kind of themes together, Right, the play-in team going a play-in team going to the round of thirty-two, an eight seed beating a one seed, some twelve uh, seed f- beating some five seeds, tw- twelve yep. over five that two twelves over two fives, one fourteen over one three, and that's where you win your bracket. You got to put them all together. Yeah, you might not get them right, but they're going to be there. History yep. tells us those games are going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of. You got to play it a little bit. You got to money ball your bracket a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the analytics, there's so much history and, and statistics behind uh, all of the, you know, these matchups over the past, however many years. Um, I think a, a big part of it too, if you're looking at play in teams or under teams are kind of what conference they're coming out of. Like if they're coming out of a battle tested big 10 or big 12 conference, I think they're a little more built, um, then, you know, teams coming out of a weaker conference or smaller teams who maybe, you know, not in the power six. Uh, I think that's a big point of it too. Yeah. That's what, ha- that was TCU last year. Mm-hmm. TCU doesn't look like a tournament team all year because they're having to get pounded a little bit by the Kansas the Baylor's, the Texas Tech's every week. And then you see them match up against some non big 12 teams good teams in the tournament and they're tougher and they they know exactly what it takes because they had to play against the best players in the country and then they go and almost beat arizona who was by a lot of accounts maybe a buzzsaw yeah a team that was going to walk to that final four in that bracket 
and yeah. it took it took a lot for Arizona to win that game in overtime for sure. But yeah, that's it'll be interesting to think about. I feel like too, um, a lot of the time it's not it's not every team, but some of these multi bid leagues like it'll be like the Mountain West or I don't know. But but by, by the time you see them like in the tournament, it doesn't matter if they've played great all year. I feel like, especially in that first half, they're always like a little bit shaky. You know what I mean? I feel like it's every single time like the Boise States or like the whoever always comes out and it's shaky first half. So also keep that in mind for any of those teams. Just just take other team first half like Sprat or Money. I don't know whatever the the numbers are going to be, but that that's something that I've noticed too in years past. Yeah, same with the the uh, sixteen seed playing games. Those dudes are shitting their pants yeah, because they, they 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 get on the court and the ball tips, and they're like, "Fuck, dude, we could actually go to the tournament if we win this game." And they just play hot potato with each other and yuck up bullshit for four fucking thirty minutes before they actually figure out how to play basketball again. Yeah, a lot those, of them. Those Sixteen seed plans aren't pretty. Yeah, no, they, they yeah, are. They, some there there might be even even a small part of them. They're like, oh, okay, we're gonna win this game. Well, guess what? We're still a sixteen seed, and we're still Dude, about that, to play. That, that is always kicking the nuts when Houston. When next Tuesday, yeah, when next Tuesday comes <laughs> and you're like, oh, let's go. Tournament starts, and then the 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 five o'clock tip is just fucking Texas A&M Corpus Christi versus some. <laughs> Fairly Dickinson garbage. You're yeah. like, oh man, we gotta wait two hours for the real game. Fucking three yeah. and hours. It's, and it's seventeen fifteen at halftime. Both teams. I legitimately only watch the first coverages of those games to see him talk about Dayton. And <laughs> the first. Oh yeah, yeah. Dayton, Ohio. Look at the yeah. This beautiful Dayton, Ohio arena <laughs> here. They they mentioned the arena and the and the Dayton fans like eighty times. Of, yeah. Among the broadcasts. Yeah, and then you have to be reminded about how we were supposed to just steamroll through the A-10. Yeah. We couldn't put it all together. I don't know. How do we feel? How do we feel about getting the auto bid? Are we confident we win this tournament or no? I mean, how can you be confident when they haven't won in 20 years? But we got a good draw. I'll say that. Yeah, they did. This is the best draw. Getting Fordham in the the, uh, semis, I believe. You avoid SLU. You avoid VCU. Yeah, it's. Don't I mean, to, shit, don't I think have we to come beat up against them by twenty five last time we played them. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, the, we UMass, have a tough game for them. But. We obviously have the talent. Eight points. Just get us to the A ten final. Let's see what we can do there. I mean, I don't think we've really we we have a few A ten losses, not many, but I don't. I, don't, I think though all those lo- losses in the A ten were pretty close games as well. So against um, yeah it. It was it like was, a late. I swear, it always comes like we're up sixty-two fifty-eight to VCU. We have some dumb turnover and some shit. We lose sixty-three sixty-two. Yeah, at home. missing free throws. Lost. Yeah, we lost another close one at home to like George Washington or some shit. Uh, the date. I mean, Dayton's not built to win close games. They're careless with the ball and not not a good free throw shooting team. Very. <laughs> that, bad that's the recipe to win team. win close games. In March, yeah, that is yeah. literally Tom Izzo has made a career, a Hall of Fame career, on having teams that hold on to the basketball and hit their free throws. Yeah. He's a legend because that's what he got his teams to do, and then he had fucking Joey Hauser playing in the Final Four. You know what I mean? Like, shit like that. We are the yeah. anti-March team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that that's my one reservation, but the one thing that does – kind of keep my hopes up is that the way we've played in certain games, it does feel like this is one of those get right teams that finally straps it on late and go on a little run, win three convincing games in the A-10 tournament, get get a bid and maybe win a game in March. Um, yeah. There's always that team that underwhelmed, gets, gets their auto bid, i.e. 20... What 2021 Oregon State? Um, not not a similar trajectory in terms of like didn't seem like there was anything to put together yeah. because they were there was nothing there, but clearly there was something there. And then they so are we start, are, they learn are, how to play are, together. Elite eight, elite eight, yeah, 
you're, you're penciling in Dayton for the Elite Eight. All right, let's go. See, that's <laughs> take, that's take... where you see who has a pair of nuts on them is when they're taking a team that needs an auto bid during to, the conference to tournament to, like to make like a Sweet 16, yeah. I just Those, there'll be I, some Dayton DJs. I just want to see it. the boys in the tournament. We we were, you know, we haven't seen it uh, since about 2014 or 2015 or 2016 before any of us even went there. Um, yeah, no, I know. I think this is one of our better teams. Obviously, I know. And the one we, time, we also, we also have Anthony Grant as a head coach, and he makes me puke watching his offensive system because it's a whole bunch of three man weaving at the top of the key and running picks. It's ugly. The, the picker's not rolling and then just not, not pushing through, not getting to the bucket until maybe five, 10 seconds left in the shot clock. They're just dicking around for, you know, whatever, whatever team I mentioned earlier, who just like St. Mary's who just passes around the player yeah. and just uses up clock. And then, you know, it, it's like, it looks like the same set every single possession down. Uh, it's just, you know, we got athletes get out and transition, play a little more up pace, get it down to Kamar. And, you know, he, he's got some great post moves. Holmes kind of looks like a freaking giraffe that grew too fast. Like he just looks so <laughs> uncoordinated. Uh, I don't trust him as much on the offensive side, but you know, they're capable of putting together big games. It really is a testament. Um, now that it seems like the jury is kind of, uh, come together and decided that Anthony Grant is a fraud. It's a testament to how great the chemistry of that 2020 squad was that now that we don't have as loaded a roster, still a good roster, but not obviously a top top five team in the country roster mm-hmm. was, yeah, there was, he has shown nothing to tell anyone that he is, a good X's and O's coach or a a motivational coach. Those are the two things. You either need a guy that can fire you guys up, get a team that might be outmanned to go win a game or out scheme someone. He, he has not shown me in any game that he can do either one of those things. And like you said, that's what the one thing you teach. One of the first things you teach a basketball player is if you're, you're dribbling in the same spot, not looking to make a move, you might as well be sitting in the 30th row. <laughs> because you you if there's no if the defender doesn't have to worry about getting beat, it's the easiest job in America. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It, you're not you're, so much of the 20 seconds of the shot clock, no one is looking to the rim. Mm-hmm. No one is looking to go to the rim. And when no one's dude, you're playing pickup and you got that kid that you're guarding and he's looking everywhere else but the hoop. You're like, bet. I gotta take a little fucking nap. <laughs> yeah. He's where's he gonna pass it? Because he's not gonna take me, even if I anyway on the defensive end. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But <laughs> there's so much, so much of our offensive volume is not threatening to go score a point. You know what I mean? Like you can't you the three man weave was made for sixth graders to just kind of so to move around enough to confuse the other sixth graders. It doesn't work when you're not putting your head down and pounding the ball to the basket ever. You know, it's just do that, do that. And then Holmes pops up top, makes a pass and then run a little pick and roll. That's all it is. And it, as soon as a team is privy to it and you have a guy big enough to, you know, give Duran Holmes problems, which, if you're big enough, you'll give him problems because he's not very skilled. He's not as skilled as he should be. He he looks like he's trying to get there, but he's just not. And that that needs to be fixed. Everyone needs to be a threat to go score the score the ball on every possession. And he runs he runs it like there's one guy on one given play that is gonna score this ball. You know? Yeah. It's a cancer, dude. But being that he has one of the last coach of the year awards, um, it's going to be tough to get him out of there. Yeah, that's the issue with his loyalty to Dayton, uh, you know, from his playing years and then his proven track record as a coach elsewhere, you know, at VCU, at Alabama. And then, you know, as of two or three years ago, 
having the the team that he did, it's going to be very, you know, it's going to take something big to push him out of the program from a fan perspective, from a community perspective. DUI. Well, DUI wouldn't do it if we're thinking about the rest yeah, of these it's coaches. Basketball. Yeah, Come on. yeah no, that, those, those something much more apply, devious. But, um, to, to people that, you know, are hardcore, you know, fans like us who watch most of the games, if not every game, who actually understand the game and what we're watching on TV, it's clearly not on a level of, uh, you know, a, a division one coach for the caliber of program of Dayton. You know, he's a good recruiter. He's a good people person, but uh, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't win you big time games and that doesn't take yeah, you. It doesn't get it done. Runs. Yeah. I mean, sure. it, just thinking from the perspective, yeah, we haven't been to a tournament since we had fucking hair on our chest before we were even affiliated with the university. Yeah. Obviously there's a big asterisk in the middle of that where we had the number one seed maybe in the entire tournament uh, that didn't happen. Right. So, but at the end of the day, we legitimately have not played a game in a meaningful game in March. Mm -mm. It's, it's not. And, and this is Dayton's kind of one of those weird schools where they have a huge you know huge basketball contingency huge basketball history and just i mean you see you see the the demographic at the games yeah it's a ton of students but that entire the entire city of dayton rides for that and that's i think that's kind of unique because the other schools that are like that are blue bloods or Mm-hmm. schools that have a hundred or you know fifty thousand kids that go to them there's not many eighty five hundred student schools that have as big a basketball acumen as Dayton and to not send teams at least every other year to the tournament is kind of it's disappointing you know it doesn't seem to uh, I think a lot of other people that wouldn't consider Dayton like a basketball school to worry about but it, it's disappointing for that big of a basketball culture to be this garbage. Yeah. yeah. And we're not Mediocre. garbage, but relatively Mediocre. garbage, you know, like this team, this team should have lost maximum four games in conference, three games in conference. And we should have, this team should have not had to get an auto, an auto bid by winning the tournament. Fact. There's, yeah, there's one little point that really stood out to me too. Uh, being a, a big fan of former student, it's uh, the fact that you know people don't look at us or know Dayton as like some big basketball school, right? But you know, we were there for four years. We were immersed in that culture, and it's like meeting people from an outside perspective. They're you know they might not even know what Dayton is or you know where we are. The fact that we see ourselves as a big time basketball program that has super high expectations every year. It's like me wanting to prove to them that we're, you know, that we belong, that we're here, that we're ready to make runs in March year after year. And we just can't do that because it's out of our control, but it's like, I want to prove something to these people that are unaware of the basketball culture at that school. Dude. I mean, every, every old head in a 30 mile radius of campus was at, Tuesday games at UD arena, you know, like Dayton is big enough a place where, where there's a large, there has to be a large following of something. And the biggest thing they have is, I mean, the other, the other thing here is like dragons baseball and they sell out every game. So everyone, everyone rides for their, if Dayton's got a squad, they, they ride and there's two squads and it's the fucking single a affiliate and Dayton flyer basketball. And it's, it is a tough spot when you get a guy like Anthony Grant, who, who hits every metric or every, every checkpoint he hits. You know, check that box, check that box. Besides X's and O's. Besides X's and O's are actually like putting out a consistent winning product on the basketball court. And that's that's where you get into a rut 
You know, that when when a team has trouble parting ways with a guy that's not getting it done, then you fall into yeah, you fall into a mediocre culture and the next guy it, it's contagious. You know, sometimes it, it looks like we come out against a George Washington and no one's fired up. Chelsea. Um so who's who are we gonna have to take down? Who's which of the two is it gonna be? VCU. VCU. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's gonna be yeah. VCU. The, I mean the A ten sucks this year, so VCU could obviously lay an egg, but it's like it's the team, against, the team against the team against them is probably gonna lay an egg Jimerson. too. <laughs> yeah. <Jimerson. Slew. laughs> Fucking fuck slew. But yeah. <laughs> what I think we, yeah. I think VCU and Clash of the Titans in the final. But <laughs> Clash of the eight Atlantic Ten Titans, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we could get off, we could get off Dayton just cause they're frustrating. But, um, Hey, I might ask you, uh, we kind of got into this, but, um, some value futures teams that, that have value, more value now or value now to either the futures for sweet 16, elite eight, final four. Um, I think some of the ones we hit on last week are Creighton, Yukon, and Texas. Is there anyone anyone else you throw in that mix that you think has some value right now, even mid conference tournament time Creighton, to make a push? Creighton, Yukon, and Texas, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh looking through kind of some potential seeding here. If I'm liking someone to make a sweet 16 run, I'm looking at I, I've liked Miami coming out of the ACC all year. Yeah, every every year, even if the ACC is down, they, there's always at least one team that makes a run. Yeah, and I think, you know, Virginia has been the most consistent team in that conference all year. But even if that's the top team, I, you know, I don't think the conference is very strong, but. Virginia think, is such a hard team to get behind. Yeah, the I, way I'm, not, I'm not behind them at all, but I think. March, I think teams succeed more so than not with good guard play compared to good big men play in March. I think it's, I think you need strong veteran guards. I mean, Miami's got a fantastic backcourt, Isaiah Wong and, you know, Nigel Pack. Uh, you know, I, I haven't watched much of them, but I know that that's a strong backcourt and I'd see value in them. Uh, another one, I'm, I'm not sure what Kentucky's, future lines are looking like but they're getting hot at the right time they're obviously one of them going to be one of the more talented teams in march due to recruiting um and kind of who they've brought in transfer wise over the last few years and that's a team that's not going to be i mean there's no way they're more than like a there's no way they're like a below a five or a six right yeah i'd see a projection with them on the five line right now yeah. Um, so they, they are probably getting a lot of noise, but, you know, uh, I think for good reason, because they're turning on at the right time. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Plus, you bring back the reigning player of the year, mm-hmm. one of the best rebounders we've ever seen in the sport. Plus, um, just anywhere you look, regardless of what their record is, like we're talking about with that Wichita State year is they'll have a four-star next to you wherever you're looking at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, Toppin has been fantastic. Yeah, he's and just growing. More, I think he's yeah. more athletic than Obi. Dude, he has looked tremendous, and yeah, he he's obviously at a blue blood now, and I think he's a guy that paired with Shibway they can be trouble. And I hate to say it because I fucking hate Kentucky so fucking much, mm-hmm. but they're always there and it they're going to slot in, in a spot where if you're a higher seed, you are not going to want to play them. Yeah. Uh, I, in one of the recent games I watched with them, they were at home against, uh, at, at, against Tennessee in sec play. And they made Tennessee look like a, a, a division three basketballs like they completely dominated them and i think i I, i'm down on tennessee 
they they had lost that was maybe their third loss in a row in SEC play. Pretty sure they just picked up an injury too to one of their guards. Yeah, Ziggler. Ziggler is out for the year. Yeah, which is a they huge blew loss. Out his ACL. So yeah, I know. They were already struggling down the stretch. Yeah, fade, fade, fade guards, dude. Again. Yeah. Every year, fade him. Yep. This year especially. Yep. So those so, two teams have completely switched. Yeah. Guys. So who do we think is of the teams that are going to grab a one or a two, maybe even a three? Who's the team to fade out of those top seeds? I would say Baylor this year. I just don't think they play enough defense. And like I, I mentioned this before too, they, um, their brand of basketball, they go on, it's the most sporadic thing that you ever see. Yeah. They'll start games and mm-hmm. go up 18 to four and you're like, Oh, that's, that's it. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you check the TV again. It's like, wait, Baylor's down two. I just, I thought, I thought they were just up like 15 points and then, then they'll go up seven and then lose the game by like eight. It's like, yeah. wait, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. So, and I've I'm, seen that happen a good three, four times this year. And I don't know, in March, that's, <laughs> it's going to be tough to overcome. It's kind of what happened in that North Carolina game last year. They just went, they went up and then they went, they were all of a sudden down by 20. It's like, holy shit. What happened? It was insane. Yeah, yeah, that that was a complete microcosm of what this season was for them, where it was like seeing you you have a 20-point run and then you give up a 20-point run. Yeah, and it's then they those... came back and tied it from 20. It's the Yeah, same. I know. It's, <laughs> and it's fucking crazy. It, it is tough because I think they have some of the most elite guard play in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which lends itself towards winning in March. Yeah. But if you if on on paper they should not be that bad on defense. And yeah. but they continuously they they find a way and whatever it is, some teams are like this where you're just a, everyone becomes a sniper against you and everyone just hits shots against you and your your rim is a magnet for the ball. And they're that team this year. Notre Dame was kind of that team this year. It's like all these fucking randos are just pulling up from NBA range and hitting everything. You're like, who the fuck is this? You know, the seventh man on Georgia Tech. Why is he hot? Yeah, it's like your fantasy football team that has the most points in the league, yet somehow you're sitting at a seven and five record because you've given up (laughs) the most points in the league because people just fall off every week against you. That's that's the this one dude in our league, Murph. Every year he's uh, he has the least points against. And just everyone lays the egg against this kid, and he ends up being like a hey, top three team. He's and a good he, defender, dude. Every <laughs> single time, every week in the fucking fancy group chat, every week in the fucking group chat, this kid, dude, hey, play better defense, yeah. play better defense than you. And it's so obnoxious, but sometimes that's just how it is. Like, obviously, in fantasy, there's no you know actual reasoning for why that happens but it happens there's always that <laughs> annoying there's always that little fuck that you, fucking you just lay an egg they beat you with you know like 95 yeah your team had your lowest output but yeah so Baylor's, do you guys Baylor's have any others tough just, to bet on dude they're gonna be tough any to bet on besides Baylor it, and it's not I'm even still like gonna I'm do it I'm like, still gonna bet on them but it's yeah, it's gonna it's be not, I'm not it's gonna take right me a little a couple more minutes loaded, but I agree I don't I don't trust them from what I've seen this year Chuck what do you think out of some of the top you know People are gonna fall on the three Top twelve teams, whatever. Yeah, you see, dude. Honestly, I could see, I could see Purdue going down early. Um, they have a top three, top four player in the country in Edie, but I think they've they've become too reliant and too they become too one sided in the Big Ten this year that hasn't had much, um. They haven't had much to kind of combat them, but as soon as yeah, Edie uh, runs into I a do. guy that like if dude, perfect perfect example. If if Kentucky if if Purdue has to play Kentucky in the second or third round, depending on how the seeding plays out, dude, I'm not taking Purdue because if if Zach Edie has to line up against Oscar Shibwe or a big like that. They're going to be scrambling. I see them scramble on offense when they're not a when Edie's out or when Edie's kind of when they're bringing the double against Edie and he's fumbling the ball around a little bit. 
they just become such a such a weaker team and a team that you don't fear that much. Like as mm-hmm. soon as as soon as Edie hits the pine, there's a little run yeah. and whoever they're playing yeah. is back in the game. And yeah. it's gonna be tough to distant to distance. Like if he gets into foul trouble, if he runs into a powerful center, like they're they have more ways, I think, that they lay an egg than most top two seeds so they they worry me if in terms of making a a final four run and let's see um yeah i don't mind that would probably be my purdue the last two years they've lost to fucking north texas in the first round and then lose to saint peter's in the sweet 16 Mm -hmm. so they i mean it's still with zach guys against saint peter's Yeah, I mean, they're, and, and they're fucking missing Jaden Ivy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? They're missing yeah, a lottery five pick. A, uh, a team that, yeah. So that too, I was reading that both their, I believe both their starting guards are freshmen, and I read today that they have played over seventy percent of their team's minutes, and their production has been winding down as the season has gone along. So I think inexperience and fatigue will play a factor. Now, both of their guards are very talented. If you guys know Foster Lawyer on Davidson, his brother. Yeah, Fletcher. Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, those two dickheads both coming out of Clarkston, Michigan, about 30 minutes away from me. Uh, not fans of them, but they're good players. Uh, however, yeah, the the fatigue and the inexperience from that backcourt, it's, it's not something good to be taken into March. Yeah, I mean, it's as much as it's impossible to predict what happens in March, it, it's not impossible to see the things that these successful teams have in common, you know, and I, I I couldn't put my finger on what it was with Purdue last year. I mean, they have the top two big in the country and a top guard in the country and can't get through St. Peter's. A, <laughs> yeah a team a that fucking bum ass team yeah <laughs> yeah a team that's you know plays in a gym smaller than our high school's gym so maybe maybe i'm saying this because i just subconsciously know like i'm awaiting disappointment from them from years past but i don't i don't see them being any different this year even though they've put together a stellar regular season so i'll probably stay away from them would love to see one of the teams we've talked about get them in the bracket and then you know the stars will align for us and in this episode how we've been kind of preaching these these themes so i would love to see maybe a second round matchup against kentucky um third round matchup against kentucky we'll see um i think kansas probably will be i think they even if it's you you won't get good odds, but I think they're probably even just worth taking to go to the final four. I think they'll I, they I don't just think win, they'll have much they just trouble. win every fucking game, no matter what. It's not yeah. it, they've won it in every different way. You know? Yeah. That that's something that that endears you to a team when you're gambling on them is winning every game by a blowout as soon as as soon as there's some, you know, adversity and someone goes down or you, you forget how to play. That's what made Dayton. I think for so much, so much of so many of us so special two years ago was we'd go and beat the brakes off of someone. And then we'd struggle all game against slew and hit a late shot, take them down. Like we, you win in different ways and it makes you a much more dangerous team. And mm-hmm. Kansas has been going through the best conference in college basketball, winning every game in a different way. Yeah. So, I I the first thing I'm gonna do when I get my bracket is punch them into at least the Elite Eight, most likely final four. Other than that, I don't know who else I'm completely set on to be to pencil in. Just, just Kansas for you, Marty. What about you? Um, I was kind of looking. I'm my team all year has been Bama, and obviously the uh the recency, I don't know what they're going to be like. I, I want to see how they play in the SEC tournament, but I'll probably have them in my final four. Um, them, and we kind of touched on them in this episode, but I really think that 
they've gone under the radar this year, but how about Gonzaga making a run this year mm-hmm. where it's nobody talks about them because they lost a couple early and now they fucking beat a very good St. Mary's team by 30. And you're like, holy shit. And if they're under seed, if they're a three or a four, you know, they could, you could find a solid, a solid upset matchup there and they could, they could take a run. So I might, I'm going to be looking into them heavily to see who they play, who they're playing. But yeah, I agree. Uh, to, to Bama's point, they remind me so much of Auburn last year. I think it's the similarities between Brandon Miller and Jabari Smith. I think Miller's. And I think Miller's a much better player than Jabari. It Smith, was Jabari personally. Smith sell, giving uh, unregistered guns out. Or... Yeah, I don't think <laughs> yeah, similar came out, but uh, yeah, that was scene of the crime. Uh, yeah, some interesting <laughs> text messages coming out of uh, Brandon Miller's phone, but yeah, pretty good job, Nate Oates, kind of. Uh, disregarding that situation <laughs> yeah uh, yeah he did a good job not giving a shit about it <laughs> yeah yeah he he didn't he didn't show much care in i think that's i think that might be the move is just no matter how terrible it is just downplay it enough to yeah. where like the average person starts to kind of think it's not a big deal <laughs> yeah no yeah we'll, we'll talk about it next like, press conference thanks for that we don't have all the details yet we don't have yeah we're we need to get these guys ready for tourney yeah yeah uh, you can get back to me at a later date on that. Uh, but yeah, we're handling it internally. I don't know if it's being in the same state and just having a similar big men like that. While I agree that Brandon Miller is probably the best player in the country besides to me, maybe Jalen Wilson uh, on Kansas and, and probably drew Timmy on Gonzaga, but uh, I'm not, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, personally, bet on Bama to go all the way. I Before the season, I was uh, in on Houston. Marcus Sasser missing last year. I watched him, you know, back in 2021, and the guy was a certified bucket. Yeah, so he's I was excited to see what him and Houston were going to do this year. I was kind of all in from the start, and they have done nothing but live up to that. And then, Marty, I agree with Gonzaga. Um, going to keep falling into the trap on betting on the, the, the mid-major, uh, but – they, they they might be my my pick to win it all, Gonzaga. Uh, now that will certainly come back to bite me in the ass, um, betting on a team like Gonzaga and really betting on a team like Houston too, but they look dominant. Their roster's just as talented as years past. They, you know, the, their big man is just insanely skilled and drew Timmy. Um can you rough. imagine if this is if this is the Gonzaga team that wins it all? Yeah, it's like you've had the one that has it would make sense because they haven't been teams. able to. You know, they, yeah. they've had unbelievable teams, like some of the best college teams you'll ever see. Yeah, and just just full of NBA players. Then th- this is the team with Rasir Bolton, and that yeah. gets it done. You know what I mean? They, and they honestly, them in Houston have gotten some of the same treatment in like. A bracket doesn't look correct to me if you don't have Gonzaga as a one seed at this point. You know, it seems like every year they just coast their way to a one seed. Not going to be this year, but they'll still be a top seed. And um, I I just think because of who they're playing week in and week out, not too many close games, not yeah. many other teams in the conference looking like they're going to, you know, you have the occasional St. Mary's, like we touched on earlier, who will definitely, you know, be well-seated this year but them in houston i just because of who they're playing on a weekly basis and preseason hype you just kind of put them on the back burner while you watch all season Mm -hmm. so you forget that houston is maybe the most well-rounded team in the country because they're going and playing cincinnati you know and I don't even know who the fuck else in a given week. And also, yeah, SMU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Those schools. And when, when you do that, you forget come tourney time and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I've kind of been sleeping on them a little bit. Yeah, happens with Gonzaga, but Gonzaga is usually so talented that you just pencil them in and they usually go there. They don't they haven't been able to snag one, but I could be much of the same for both teams this year. Um I think there's a very good chance both teams are in the Elite Eight. Mid-major, need one. 
This year we have two. The last couple of years we've had we've had a couple with Houston and Gonzaga being dominant all season, but Houston definitely has gotten the Gonzaga treatment this year mm-hmm. because they haven't wavered at all. They were mm-hmm. preseason projected to be a top five, top ten team in the country, and they've been a top five team all year round. And you don't hear much on them. You people love talking about Duke and UNC when they're 500 rather than a Houston team that's beating the brakes off of everyone and looks like they yeah, could no, win it all. North, North Carolina's made more headlines this year than like they've made like quadruple the amount of headlines that Houston has. Coach K mm-hmm. has made more headlines this year and he's not <laughs> coaching than Houston. Yeah. But he's I think we can wrap. He's going to be trying to breach security to get on the Duke sideline. Oh yeah, that I hate that they did that whole charade for Bray when Bray's last game. Yeah, make it about you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. (laughs) Somehow make Mike Bray's retirement about you completely. Um, whatever. But I think we can leave her there, and uh, we'll come back after all these tournaments are done, and probably when these seeds are out, and we have the full sixty-eight team bracket. Hammer breakdown. Thanks for joining, dude. Of course. All the way from Texas. It was a pleasure. Hey, great yeah, state. If the, if the in... connection on Ham's uh like voice is, is bad, it's because he's uh he's got that dial up Wi Fi down in down in Texas. <laughs> Thanks for joining and uh we'll have you back, dude. Your samples from Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. <laughs>